Hello and welcome to Castlefun, the official podcast of the Star Wars Speculation subreddit. I'm Sam and I'll be hosting this episode today. I'm Vinny and my face is based on a Ralph McQuarrie design. I'm Todd. I'm Lai and I am Anakin Skywalker's post-episode 3 wife. Hello. Brilliant. So we have some big news from a galaxy far, far away. Firstly, we're going to get into the new rumor that's come out, or maybe not so new rumor by the time this podcast comes out. But the Mandalore series, possibly, this is just a rumor. Um, it comes from a credible source. So Vinny, would you like to take that away, please? Yeah, fresh off the rumor mill from two months ago is uh, we've got Jason Ward from Making Star Wars claiming that the much-anticipated John Favreau live-action Star Wars series is going to be about Mandalore and the Mandalorians. I am particularly excited about this. I mean, there's they had so much lore in the old canon, a whole bunch of world built around them, mostly by Karen Travis. And we got a little bit of them from Clone Wars uh, that didn't quite vibe with what they used to look like in the old canon, more of a kind of diet Coruscant. Um, but we got more of them in Rebels and, and with Sabine and Ren Clan and Death Watch. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of them now. Again, if this rumor fleshes out to be true, but Ward has a pretty strong track record. I mean, there's a lot of loose ends that were left open by Filoni's series, Rebels and Clone Wars. Uh, for instance, you know, the Darksaber, which, you know, is the, the King Arthur sword of the new canon Mandalorians, whoever holds it, is the ruler. We could be seeing the first live-action appearance of the Darksaber, so getting to see a live-action prototype lightsaber would be pretty badass. There's a lot of strong characters that could come out of that show that would carry over, like Bo-Katan, the, uh, the, woman who, or the red-headed woman who uh, Sabine Wren gave control of the Mandalorians over to uh, at the end of her arc in Rebels. But it could also tie into some of the content that we have coming up soon, which is Season 7 of Clone Wars, Get Hype, Poppers, Streamers, where they're going to be taking back Mandalore and the Siege of Mandalore, which would involve, obviously, Ahsoka. So they may be able to name drop Ahsoka, maybe even have like a, a wall carving or a stone carving. Ah, yes, here are the tales of the Siege of Mandalore, where a valiant Jedi helped us return our land. And hey, we get to shout out to Ahsoka. And in that reference, you know, things they could have pulled back from the new canon history. They could even mention Maul, who ruled Mandalore under, uh, alongside Death Watch for some time. So you get to name drop Maul. Uh, who has been revived in the canon uh, through Solo and, you know, many other forms, but in, you know, the casual viewer's mind, Solo. As for stuff that we might be seeing from the old canon that they could bring in, Mandalore has a huge, huge history. Uh, they were part of all of the Jedi versus Sith wars in the Old Republic. They always seem to get dragged into it via, uh, you know, whatever, whoever was in charge, Exar Kun, Ulic Eldroma, all those old... Republic Jedi, and they were all over the place in the, the KOTOR games. And the other thing is, everyone's been screaming, where is Boba Fett? Where is Boba Fett? Where is Boba Fett? And the closest we've come to knowing what's happened to him is in Aftermath, there is a mention of some random character who makes himself the sheriff of a town in Tatooine, has Boba Fett's armor, but is not Boba Fett himself. In the old canon, Boba Fett, old grandpa Boba Fett, and his hot bounty hunting granddaughter go back to Mandalore and he takes the title of Mandalore and becomes ruler hesitantly of course and uh, so if there is going to be an excuse to bring back Boba Fett it's going to be now and the only another thing I'm kind of interested in is 
in the old canon, uh, there was a language of the Mandalorians called Mando Ah. It was kind of it kind of became the fandom's version of Klingon. You know, all the the hyper nerds learned it, and I was really surprised to not see it used at all in Rebels. It was kind of disappointing. Uh, just a few battle cries at least, but uh, we've seen nothing of it so far in the new canon. And and I think this would be a cool excuse to bring it back. Lai, you were looking at it, and you you were talking about uh, the journeyman protectors. Oh yeah. Um, so I've uh, just to do a little homework uh, for this episode. I watched the Mandalorian episodes, and uh, when Kanan and Sabine go to conquer Dawn to recruit Fenrao, uh, when they go recruit Fenrao, um, yeah, uh, I thought it was cool that Kanan mentioned that he saved his life pretty much with his saved him in his uh, teacher's life. So if we can see, Fenrao is alive by the end of Rebels, right? I know he helped with uh, destroying the Arc Pulse Generator. But um, yeah, so that and I would love to see, of course, more the House Vizsla, um, Bo-Katan and the Night Owls. And I do believe uh, Sabine did speak a little Mandoa when she was trying to land on uh, Crow's Nest. Is that what it's called? Crow's Nest, uh, where her mother was. Um, but yeah, I don't think there is much Mandoa um, in that. It would be cool to see Tristan, Sabine's brother. And one thing I am interested that could possibly even affect the sequel trilogy was the arc pulse generator that um, Sabine invented or in the Imperial Academy, how she switched it to destroy the stormtroopers um armor i know they she deleted all the data from the empire but if somebody could uh you know reinvent that that would be a pretty powerful weapon uh against the first order or whoever they wanted to destroy so um i would love to see that and i i'm Excited to see if all the syndicates and the different houses of Mandalore and the clans. Yeah, I mean, for me, I cannot think of a better TV series for them to do at this time period. Because when I first heard that Favreau was was making the show when it was only going to be set three years after the Battle of Endor, I was thinking, what can they do? What can they really do that's going to be impactful, that's going to have a big story surrounding it? but not have the empire involved and not obviously we we still want the the era of of peace throughout the galaxy because otherwise the original trilogy characters really aren't going to have accomplished anything if 2 years later 3 years later there's there's war and chaos uh tearing through the galaxy so i was thinking what what could we get and then when i heard this rumor all of it just clicked i've never like been a massive lover of Mandalorians. I do like them. I enjoy the stories. So it's not like I'm a fanboy for Man- Mandalore or anything like that, but but when I heard about this TV series, it just it just clicked for me because they really do have the potential to make it its own self-contained thing while also feeling massive because based on what the scope of the TV show, it's going to be about Mandalore and and maybe about like, you know, claiming Mandalore, claiming the throne of Mandalore because the way I see it now, this is going to be about two years after the Battle of Jakku. So that means 
that the Empire has only just lost control of Mandalore, because if you remember from Rebels, they did actually control the Mandalore territories. So it itself would have created like a power vacuum. So I could see all the clans kind of clamoring to to rule Mandalore, and, and maybe we, we will see Bo-Katan with the Darksaber, because she was in possession of that by the end of the Rebels arc. I just think that it will be perfect as a show if, if this rumor does end up being true. Another thing that does add some credibility to it is Dave Filoni and Jov Favreau were both at the Skywalker Ranch together. Uh, they took a picture and put it on Twitter. So to me, like that is, it could be a bit of a teaser. They're over, I mean, it, it might not mean much because they are both the showrunners of the new TV show, so it, it could have just been more about that. But I don't know. We have had a lot to do with Mandalore throughout the post-Disney takeover We've had Rebels. We've had the Siege of Mandalore that's, that's coming back from the Clone Wars. We're finally getting the ending. Um, obviously, that was, that was planned before the Disney, the Disney takeover, but we're getting that. You know, we've got Crimson Dawn in Solo, which has uh, a loose tie-in, a vague tie-in with uh, the Mandalorians, obviously with Maul controlling Mandalore at one point. And hopefully, the, the speculation is that the new book by Claudia Gray, Master and Apprentice, will also take place on Mandalore, although that is speculation i will admit but it would make a lot of sense if that's where that book did, did take place not to mention we've had even even post disney you know we've had a lot of lore about the mandalorians we've had um i think uh, I, I do forget his name now but it was the first mandalorian jedi uh, actually did create the dark saber and there was a whole kind of legend about him so i think what's really cool about mandalore as well is the fact that it's not all one planet, you know, unlike what the Clone Wars showed us, it, we now know it's, it's like a territory. So there are multiple planets with like multiple clans uh, and multiple houses. So using the, the Jungle Book technology where it can create environments from scratch and basically make them look like real life sets, um, I think this would be a perfect way to do this. I mean, budget wise, we're looking at, you know, on average about 10 million per episode if it's going to be 10 episodes i think it's 100 million for the entire series so just guessing it's going to be 10 episodes long like something like game of thrones that's 10 million per episode so you know we could be seeing multiple planets and we could see something like truly interesting you know not held back by real world you know workings of of, of real life so yeah but i'm thinking if if this was a mandalore show a show set up about the mandalorians I'm thinking it could be like a Game of Thrones type show where it could focus on like multiple clans. Um, we've seen in Rebels that there are clans and then there are houses. or Well, the houses fit into clans, so there will be multiple houses serving a clan. And I'm thinking that what, what could be really cool to see is have a family that is a house and they're, they're like small, they're like small time, you know, they're, they're nobodies basically. And then maybe over the course of the seasons, we could see them slowly gain power and influence, maybe even becoming the head, the rulers of, the, of their clan, and then, you know, fighting to rule Mandalore, you know. Um, I think that could be, could be really interesting to see. I'm, I'm super hyped for, for maybe something like that. Um, another thing, another factor that I think could be part of the show, although hopefully not a massive one, I don't want a massive New Republic presence, but I'm thinking that if the, the Empire's gone, Right, the empire's that the rule of Mandalore's gone, and if Mandalore has gone into this war zone that that it could become if if all these clans are battling for power, we could see the new Repu the newly formed New Republic 
try and step in and try and like restore peace. And the Mandalorians are like, no, this is this is our way. This is the way we do things. Stay out of it. And we could maybe see a little bit of the politics in the New Republic, although hopefully not too much. Hopefully they focus mostly on Mandalore. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say on the matter. Todd? Um, yeah, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what you guys said, which is that when I first heard that they were the rumor about this being on Mandalore, that piqued my interest because I do think that that show in Mandalore in this time period has a lot of potential from what we've seen in Rebels, um, more so than what we've seen in Clone Wars. Mandalore has always had a lot of history in the legends. And I think that it can definitely be made to make something interesting. Like you said, the clans vying for power. Love to see something like that. Vinny, when you were talking about Sabine and um, Ahsoka, no, you were actually going on about Ahsoka, actually. Uh, at the end of Rebels, we see Ahsoka and Sabine head off together. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka the White, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you think it's a possibility, seeing as we've seen John Favreau and Dave Filoni meet in person, do you think we could see these two characters appear in the show? I think it's certainly possible. I mean, at the end of Rebels, it's made clear that they're going out searching for Ezra, and I would imagine they wouldn't find him first stop. They're going to hit 10 or 12 places looking for him, and one of those places could certainly be Mandalore, especially, and then Ahsoka would be received warmly as, hey, she's the one who saved us you know, from whatever during the siege. So... Yeah, I could absolutely see them tying that with the uh, the ending, you know, hinting towards their journey in the epilogue to Rebels. Absolutely. Yeah, because I know you guys talked about Resistance last last episode, so I don't want to go over that again. Um, but one thing I did notice when when seeing the trailer, it didn't feel like the direct sequel to Rebels. I don't think this is going to be like. I don't think we're going to be finding like what happened to Ezra, what happened to Sabine, what happened to Ahsoka in this series. I think this is more like a spinoff of Dave Filoni's cinematic universe or not maybe not so cinematic seeing as it's on the it's on tv but no i that and i think that having glimpses of that on favreau's show would would work really well has anyone else got anything to add i don't know if we're gonna do that unless filoni because like we all know that ahsoka was supposed to be in throne alliances right and that was a hard no from filoni don't know if he's gonna let favreau touch her like seems to be keeping a hold on her unless that's what was a part of their discussions. Well, my understanding was that the only reason that they didn't let him use Ahsoka was because season four of Rebels was still in production. And and that that's what I understand why they wouldn't let her touch her. I think if, if production had wrapped and they knew what they were doing with Ahsoka from start to finish at that point, then they would have let her let them use her. But that, I mean that's again speculation. Yeah, I also think the it I think you're right, Vinny. I don't think it's like Dave Filoni has this overprotectiveness of Ahsoka that he doesn't want anyone writing for her because we see that E.K. Johnson um, wrote the Ahsoka book. So it's, it's not like Dave Filoni has to write everything Ahsoka and then no one else no one else can touch her. But it's also possible, and this is, again, entirely speculation, Dave Filoni might be writing a couple episodes here and there, you know, for Mandalore. I don't expect to see, you know, if, if Ahsoka is going to appear in the show, I don't expect her to be a full-time character, like a full cast member. But maybe we could see her in the odd cameo appearance or odd episode, and maybe Dave Filoni might want to write those episodes. I don't know. Maybe that's why they met up to talk at Skywalker Ranch. Just a, just a theory, just a bit of speculation. I think it's definitely plausible to at least see Sabine, um, since we don't have like a natural ending for her yet. And, you know, I don't know how they're going to close off the Ahsoka Sabine 
thing when they find Ezra and uh, Thrawn. Um, so I think it would be really cool to see Sabine as a live action character. And I very much agree with the Game of Thrones thing and how rich the history of Mandalore is. It's very much plausible to have this power struggle outside of the the war, you know, outside of the galactic war. So that's what I like. It's very believable. And I really do hope it's on Mandalore because the Mandalorians, you know, them as warrior people, we don't have, I don't know if there's many planets or cultures in Star Wars that have as strong as presence as the Mandalores. And they definitely stick out as a group of people. You know what I mean? Um, Vinny? Yeah, touching on the Game of Thrones thing and actually Resistance as well, we're seeing a fairly strong negative reaction from you know, several corners of the fandom to the Resistance trailer. One of the more common complaints being that it's too kitty, which, you know, yes, you could say, hey, Rebels started out kitty and Clone Wars certainly started aimed at younger audiences, but there is definitely a negative reaction to how blatantly it's aimed at possibly even a younger audience than those two series were. And this could be their response to that. Mandalore is a, it's a violent culture. It's a warrior culture. It's, you know, it's, it's beheadings and, and rise of power through executions and usurping titles. And so that level of violence, that, you know, rated R-ness of the Mandalorian culture would play well into a show if they intended it to be aimed at older audiences to counter or provide at least equal uh, material and equal entertainment to balance out uh, the younger audience aimed resistance so that there's, you know, a little bit of something for everyone. The Mandalorian culture would play well into that. Uh, Sam, you had something there? I completely agree with what you're saying. I think one thing we have to remember is that this is going on Disney streaming service. And one thing that streaming services don't have to cater to is age groups. They can, you know, be a lot more flexible on how they handle their material. So, yeah, I, I think that you might be right with Resistance being more for the younger kids, which is fine. You know, it's cool to have a show for younger kids, for Star Wars, to get them into Star Wars. That's that's completely fine in my book. But, you know, for us older fans, we also want to see some Star Wars TV material. And I think that's that's probably why we started watching these these shows targeted for younger audiences to begin with. So yeah, I think that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a win for everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that pretty much covers it unless someone else had a uh had one more thought they wanted to throw into the mix on the the man the possibility of a Mandalore show. Well next up it uh Lai uh I think you were talking about we have uh some new hints and uh, actual real material from episode nine. Yep, we got some leaked photos here. Um, the three sources are Prenza Imperial, The Sun, and Making Star Wars. So, uh, And these were shared by Y Plum and Diminished Comet on our SWS Discord server, if you guys want to go check that out. It's in the episode I, um, IX dis- Leak Discussions channel. So we're going to go probably through the numbers. The first photo is of Finn and Poe. So... Sam, what do you think about that photo? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is cool. We get to see the the new outfits uh, of Finn and Poe. They look very, very different from what we've seen in uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi because really The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi outfits, apart from Rey and Kylo Ren to some extent, the, the, the costumes have been very similar, obviously because it took place in such a short space of time. Uh, so it's really cool to see vastly different outfits and a vastly different costume style. I'm noticing 
Finn seems to be supporting those uh, Han Solo type leggings there, from what I can see. These 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 flight pants. Uh, I don't know if that means anything. I, I think that that Finn was kind of the or or Han Solo was kind of the mentor to Finn uh, in the Force Awakens. That's how I kind of took it. So maybe we're gonna see Finn even more as a, a Han Solo kind of role. You know, the I don't want to say selfish guy because Finn wasn't selfish, but he was. He was kind of like looking after his own rather than fighting for a bigger cause. And now we're going to see him possibly take a much larger role in the Resistance, just like Han Solo did in Return of the Jedi. So that's a possibility. Todd, do you have anything to say about the second photo? The second photo is pretty similar to the first. We have uh, Genfin in his new Han Solo outfit and Poe in his. Looks like Poe's holding a thing. These aren't really high-definition photos here. It looks like a pair of macro binoculars or something similar. And like Sam said, with uh, definitely seeing some Han Solo vibes on Finn, and we know that he's, I guess spoilers for the next couple photos, but he is in the Falcon, which I believe was one of the first official photos for Episode Nine, right? So yeah, he might be taking on a similar role to Han, at least visually and thematically with the Falcon. Um, Vinny? Do you have anything to say about picture number three? A couple of things I'm taking from pictures one, two, and three here is that Poe, you can see he's got a wrapping on his arm of some kind, looks on his left arm, um, that clearly to me, unless it's a fabulous space fash, uh, fashion accessory, looks to me like, a, like a, a battle wrapping or maybe even a bandage, so possibly he's been wounded at that point in the film. Another thing I'm getting out of this picture is, is Finn clearly has longer hair. He's sporting kind of a crop top. It's a bit longer, which implies to me that we are actually going to get that time skip because, you know, episode eight happening immediately after five minutes after episode seven ended. And now we're going to get some time to breathe for the, you know, the factions to to cool off possibly. But his longer hair alone screams to me, hey, time skip. The other thing I'm getting from this is between seeing them in the Falcon and seeing them on this unnamed planet, it's clear that that Rose is not with them. And I find that interesting because... You know, they were setting up a Rose Finn dichotomy uh, at the end of, uh, well, really throughout episode eight. They were not subtle about it at all. And um, now they're off on their adventure and, I, and Rose isn't with them. So maybe, are they maybe aborting on that idea? I'm not sure. You know, Sam, what were you thinking? Um, well, I mean, as far as Rose goes, I, I think that it, it's hard to judge it from just one scene. However, I am happy to see Finn and Poe back together. The the bromance lives on, um, hopefully. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Rose could be anywhere. She might actually be on this planet for all we know. She might be helping some other stuff out. But I think that they probably will still be going with the Finn and Rose thing. But that's just speculation on my part. But I think that if they set up for The Last Jedi, it only makes sense that they would carry that on. So photos four through six, um, what are your guys' impressions? Well, in this set of photos, we see that we do have Chewbacca also here. It's always nice to see him hanging around. We have these people riding on what looks like horses with some green screen attachments. Not sure how those will turn out. We do have some animals on this planet. We also have, looks like a black actress. I believe Sam, you knew who that was? Yeah, I believe that might be Naomi Aki. Um, I don't want, I don't want because I don't know what Naomi Aki actually looks like. But there, 
I know she is a you know a, a black British actress, so that could be her. And there was, interestingly enough, this this harkens back to a previous podcast, some news on a previous podcast we did about a casting call for a character called Caro. So according to this, the casting call was described as an ethnic female within the age range of 18 to 26 years of age. So I believe Naomi Aki was 26, right? We did look that up. There is a preference for an African-American actress. So she's, you know, she's, she's black. So obviously not American, but <laughs> I don't think it really matters once, once they get into Star Wars, uh, what country they're from. So it says that Caro has a captivating naturalness and is a leader and a problem solver. She also sports a sense of humor and has a strong will. So yeah, I personally really do believe this is Caro or who will, you know, who maybe it's a placeholder name. I don't know. But there is also from the person that actually leaked this on Reddit, they say that Poe and Finn are reuniting with Chewbacca for the first time in months. Chewbacca has been working with this cell of rebels who are led by Naomi Aki's character. Uh, I've been told that this is part of a larger series of events that sees Poe and Finn unite the smaller cells across the galaxy to fight the First Order. And then they say, please don't ask me about the horses. I have no clue what they will look like in post. So we, we still don't know anything about the horses. But yeah, no, this, this, this makes sense to me. Um, even if this is this extra info about the story is, is all, you know, BS. It makes sense to me that the Resistance would be trying to build up their, their army to fight the First Order because the First Order now were reigning supreme across the galaxy, I think. <laughs> I think. So, yeah, that would add up to me. It also does appear that Chewie is actually with this group and Poe and Finn are walking up to them. So that always that also lends credence to that. Vinny? You know, I'm looking at their clothing. And I, I'm thinking about what rebel cells might have been out there for them to reach out to, for them to work with. And one of the most well-received aspects of Solo was Enfys Nest, who was leader of one of the earliest, what would become the rebel cells. And looking at their clothing, which you can see between the, the camo coats they're using to hide from the paparazzi, it's, it's, it's armor plated, but not quite, almost like leather wrapped, leather plated. And their outfits... It, Maybe it's just me, but I almost want to say maybe this might not be her home planet of Savarine from the end of Solo, but this could be Emphis Nest's or or the descendants of the continuance of Emphis Nest gang because Disney would want to build on you know the more positive aspects. You want to do callbacks. I mean, Emphis's story clearly isn't done, and and this screams to me that it could be uh, Emphis's crew. And, and they'd want to play on to that since it was, you know, one of the, the more popular aspects we saw from Solo. Todd, what were you thinking on that? Yeah, I definitely think that it's possible that this is a continuation of Enfys Cell, the Cloud Riders, were they called? Because as we, yeah, because as we've seen with uh, Sagrera and his partisans, they continued on even after his death. So like that group, that Rebel Cell existed. So we could definitely see something similar happen with them. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys notice, uh, there's a man on one of the horses, and I don't know if that's Poe. Do you guys think that's Poe? On which picture, sorry? Picture number four, with the horses. I, I don't I don't know, yeah, because Poe is in the bottom right corner there. Oh, sorry, I didn't scroll down on the photo. Oh, yeah, so... Unless Poe has a clone. Oh, no. Clone Poe confirmed, breaking oh. down. So, I think we might get another new character aside from this clan or or tribe don't know who that is exactly but i think that's interesting that there's another male lead that is possibly or not lead but another male on the resistance side so 
I like that. And I also like this planet. I like the plains and the, the hills. We don't get a lot of green in uh, the ST. So just like Ray never said. Never seen this much yeah, green never in the whole seen galaxy. This much green in the whole galaxy. I mean, it's not exactly green. It's a little yellow. It's like brown yeah. green. <laughs> but I do like that this is like a, a sort of a, a new planet. And um, hopefully this is where Naomi is. That'd be great. And I'm super excited to see who they conjure up as, uh, you know, allies here. So... Sam, did you have your hand up or did Manny? Yeah, can I just address the elephant in the room here that I think we're all thinking, this looks boring. <laughs> this, <laughs> this scenery, yeah, it, it really does. Um, that, again, that doesn't mean anything. It could look entirely different in the movie. Um, this could just be like the outskirts of something far more uh, exciting. Uh, <laughs> grass, the grass isn't really doing it for me. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't know. What do you, do you guys think? Are you guys in agreement with me, or do you think I'm talking talking rubbish? I think you're talking shit, Sam. I think it's a perfectly fine planet. <laughs> well, I think fair enough. <laughs> I think we've got, what else have we gotten so far in Star Wars? We got we got a water planet. We got a forest planet. We got a desert planet. I like the wacky planets. We got like Felucia covered in giant building-sized flowers and Raxus Prime and stuff. Yeah, trash-covered planets. For a sequel trilogy planet, I think it's fine. This is what I'm kind of worried about with JJ coming back for episode 9. As much as there are many things that I'm excited for JJ coming back for, uh, the planets we got in The Force Awakens, I wasn't too wild about. They, they were quite boring to me. They were they were pretty much just... And and I know, it's, I know the, the reason why is he's harkening back to the original trilogy, but I feel like the original trilogy maybe did it because of of constraints it had at the time of filmmaking. I feel like the sequel trilogy could be doing more, you know, much similar to what they did with Cancer Bite, which is a controversial planet, but, you know, it, it certainly had a look to it. It certainly had a style to it. And even Crate, you know, Crate looked vastly, vastly different to anything we've seen on Earth. Whereas I feel like with, it seems to be based on what we've seen so far with, with JJ and The Force Awakens, it was basically just anything you might see on Earth and then add a few Star Wars bits to it. Jakku was obviously very cool. I, I really like Jakku, but Aside from that, it was a bit boring to me. Uh, Vinny, do you, do you agree or disagree? Well, here's the thing is that visually, just visually, not thematically, not speculating, but just visually, the closest thing that we have in Star Wars, or at least the current canon, that looks like this is Lothal. Because Lothal is covered in those, in those tall fields about two to three feet high, which means, Sam, are you calling Lothal boring? Yeah. Lothal's so cool. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're about? damn right I'm calling Lothal boring. Oh, all right. Throwing down. You know, Lothal is Ralph McQuarrie's art here. Are you calling that boring, Sam? Oh, no. You better not be talking crap about Ralph McQuarrie. Get out. Out. I hope Cham takes you to that cave that he took. <laughs> well, no. Look, here's the deal. Lothal has... And, and this is... Just, again, I'm judging it off this picture. But Lothal has a city. It has uh, weird-shaped houses. It has, like, weird-shaped, like, plants. But it has outskirts, too. Again, yeah, and I, I, I'm in complete agreement with that. So I'm saying that... Where Cham and Ismail have gone to, to have secret meetings. Of course, yeah. Um, but what I am saying is is there is a bit more to Lothal than just grassy plainlands. And obviously, if there is more to this planet than grassy plainlands, then all for it. But if it is just grassy plainlands, it, it's a little boring. But hey, I mean, as long as the scene's good, I'm good. So yeah, of leaked information. So what I noticed about Finn and Poe's outfits is... 
they're a lot more earth-based you know there's not a lot of sci-fi or fantasy to them and i guess they're more functional than anything and i think it's pretty interesting because you know this is a sci-fi movie sort of you know hinging on fantasy it reminds me of indiana jones in a way and also reminds me of um like adventure movies you know with the two guys two two lead males you know looking for something so I don't know. I I guess it, it makes sense calling back to what Sam was saying about how this is JJ's film, you know, and and the planets and costuming was a little bit more tempered and not very designed. So I'm not, you know, hating on anything that they're wearing. They look great. And I even love Finn's hair and as always, you know, Mr. Oscar Isaac is handsome, even from a very low quality photo. But yeah, and I like, you know what, I will say I do like Poe's knee high boots. I was just going to say that, yeah, the adventure theme vibe is something that Star Wars always had a mix of that adventure theme in there, Indiana Jones. They're going to go more for that now. That seems, you know, fun, harkening back to Star Wars' roots, I believe. Now, Vinny, you have something to say? Yeah, I collect the Black Series figures, those nice six-inch figures. And I was looking at uh, some of them, and it's got, you know, really cool lines and cool yellow stripes and unnecessary padding and cool vests and ribbing on the sleeves that make no sense. And then you look at uh, Poe's figure from The Last Jedi, and it's, man, in jacket, with pants. And it's just like, oh, he just looks like a guy off the streets on Earth. And, and I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. I, while I respect that, you know, it's down to earth and they're the resistance and they don't have time to buy the latest fashionable chunks of armor to throw on their gauntlets or whatever. I definitely would like to have a little bit of more of that, oomph, that, that 70s retrofuturism, unnecessary pockets and padding to the clothing. Just something to, to spice it up a little bit. Exactly. A little more design. You know what I mean? Sam? I definitely agree with you, Vinny, about like it, it's a little bit less styled but i mean to be fair if you look at han solo from empire strikes back his jacket is 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 just kind of a a jacket um he doesn't really in fact in fact i would say that poe poe's design and han's empire strikes back design are quite similar so let's not forget that we have got quite cool costume design with you know ray especially when she changes into like her more jedi gear that she miraculously got from nowhere. It's a darker outfit. Yeah, uh, it looked that looked very new and original to me, and, and something that I really want to see. I think Kylo's attire looks pretty cool as well. It looked pretty original. He's he's got kind of like the, the especially in the Force Awakens, he's got like the knight attire. You know that he looks like a knight. Well, he is a knight of Ren, but he looks like a medieval medieval knight. You know, it almost looks like chainmail. And then in the Last Jedi, it's almost he almost looks like a prince in a way, like the the, the kind of clothes he's got on. So I don't know. I, but we're talking about these leaked photos. And from this, they do look plain, don't they? Right. So, I mean, as far as <laughs> what we've got to see from episode nine so so far, yes, I will admit the... <laughs> but again, I think this, this is a criticism that can be said for the entirety of the ST. I think some clothes look very cool and different and others look very similar. As far... Yeah. I mean, Holdo and Leia, they got some cool outfits, you know? Yeah, very true. Very true. They got designed very, you know, very nicely. And I, I loved, you know, Leia's crate jacket with a over with a with an oversized neck turtleneck kind of jacket, which was a, I think, but I believe that was a callback to Blade Runner and Ford Harrison's jacket 
in that movie. I think that was on purpose, actually, by the costume designer. So, I mean, you know, we've got some cool stuff. I just don't know if their outfits are very Star Wars, if that makes sense. But that's just my opinion. And that, I mean, you know. I think Finn's, Finn's leggings definitely are very Star Wars. Oh, yeah, they're very Han. Finn's look exactly like one of Han's pants, he's still. Yeah, they're the inverted blue and, and red stripe. Like Sam was saying, I don't think... In Empire Strikes Back, like, Han's jacket was very simple, and Luke was in, like, a tank top for most of the Dagobah scenes. So, like, Star Wars outfits weren't always really that, like, that out there in the original trilogy. I honestly think that Poe's looks fine, Finn's look fine. I'm sure they'll be in different things in the movie, or at least not exactly like those. And, of course, they'll look better once we see actual photos instead of blurry, small-took photos from inherently being leaks. Uh, Yeah, so aside from all the clothes talk, um, (laughs) I do want to talk a little bit about um, how this could be Lothal, as Vinny said. Maybe a little bit of a a possible evidence. I don't think it is Lothal, but the horses that kind of don't look like horses, the bodies almost look like massive wolves. Oh, yeah, I I thought we might be going here. You're you're thinking they might be the Loth Wolves. And you know what the Loth Wolves do? They take you to the... World between world is it the window between worlds or world, world between, between worlds? World between the worlds. world between worlds. Come on, casual. <laughs> Do we want to see the world between worlds in Star Wars Episode Nine? I am a firm no. All right, all right. There is a difference between what we want and what we think the general movie-going audience will be able to accept. And while I, as a Star Wars fan, think the world between worlds is insane and cool and opens up the gate to all sorts of expanded universe characters that I love, I think the general audience is going to be like, whoa, this is not Star Wars. This is magic. I don't understand. This This is coming out of nowhere. And they're going to be caught off guard and taken out of it. And I think that's what a lot of they're going to be saying in the boardrooms. The executives are being like, well, we could use this. But man, just like the on the first glance, I don't think just the random mother taking her kids to see the new Star Wars movie is going to get any of that and just and think that it's Star Wars. It's going to be too fantasy. It's too mystical, right? I think that if the world between worlds is in episode nine, which again, I'm not saying it is. I'm not. I'm not. I don't think this is Lothal, but I'm just saying if it is. I don't think it will be used in the same way we saw it used in Rebels. I think that it, it might be maybe to show a character the past or, or something to that extent. But yeah, I don't. I don't think that um, it's going to be like saving saving Han Solo from falling down the pit or, or something like that. I don't know. But I think that the way it was used in Rebels, the whole saving Ahsoka, was something that shouldn't happen. Like changing the past and everything it definitely only happened because you know Filoni wanted Ahsoka back. Probably because uh, her bird, the condor, linked to the sister, or linked to the whole world between worlds inherently. Probably has something to do with it, but when I first saw these photos, I immediately thought that those planes reminded me of Lothal. Again, like my immediately go to the world between worlds, but if it is Lothal, I don't think we'll need to go there. Even if we do go there, I think they could pull it off. I don't expect to see it. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but they could. But it definitely won't be as... They did in Rebels, you know, changing too much. Definitely showing the past. I feel like Kylo could have a moment seeing the past, his grandfather, to go along with that arc, finish it out. But there's definitely other ways to do it without jumping to this whole huge mystical world time travel thing. I mean, for sure. I do have to make a correction. I was thinking of Ryloth rather than Lothal. So, uh, you know, fan corrections, I get it, if you are in the comments. Uh, but So now we're going to go to pictures 8 and 9 which is the Millennium Falcon in the forest. So, Sam? Yeah, I have a a strong 
maybe a theory would be a, a bit too of a strong word for it. I think that would be giving it too much credit, but I have a strong inkling that this could be Batu. I think the one reason only, and it's an out, uh, it's an out of universe reason, really. Although the the plants of strawberry do co- look quite similar to what we've seen in the promo picture of Batu, uh, when because obviously for those of you that don't know, the new Star Wars world is going to be set on a planet called Batu, which also appeared in Thrawn Alliances, which may or may not have been a bit of a marketing tool to promote that. But yeah, so so Galaxy's Edge, it's called. Now, the way I see it, I don't want to spoil Thrawn too much, but there was no Imperial presence. It was just a kind of very strange planet in the Unknown Regions, but there was no Imperial or First Order, well, obviously not First Order presence, but there was no Imperial presence there. There was no fighting going on. There was nothing massively special about what we saw on the planet. So this gets me thinking, if they're going to make a planet that is going to be Galaxy Judge, Star Wars World, the theme park to go for all things Star Wars, you're going to have Stormtroopers, you're going to have Rebellion slash Resistance, you're going to probably have lightsabers. You want to have all that stuff to keep the fans going. So here's what I think. Batu being the Galaxy's Edge theme park because of Thrawn or, you know, or based on what we know of Thrawn, unlikely. Galaxy's Edge being based off the climactic battle of episode nine, a little bit more likely in my opinion. I think that it's a strong possibility that we will see Batu in episode nine. Of course, they could also it could also kind of be running its own storyline with, you know, that would certainly give it more freedom. But I think that the, you know, having it the climactic battle of episode nine or or some sort of presence in episode nine would work but yeah that's just my opinion on it yeah i'm looking at it and it could certainly be batu and you get that classic disney crossover marketing that i knew they were doing with thrawn alliances and and you you said it might have been marketing. no that was marketing that was absolutely the mouse reaching deep into our nerd pockets and it's not really that fleshed out in uh in the book in thrawn alliances you don't hear too much about it you have one little town one little cantina, a couple landing spaces for ships. There's one shootout between a local faction that's not really doing anything. It's, it's not really fleshed out. So it's, it, you don't really have any strong desire to go there yet as a fan. But you're absolutely right. The, the fact that they're building a whole theme park around it would certainly strongly argue that they wouldn't just use it for a throwaway planet in a single book. There's got to be something more going on there. My one thing is that one of the strongest rumors that we heard about the planets in Episode Nine is that they were going back to either Naboo or Yavin. I keep hearing people going, hey, they're going back to Yavin. And if they are, this certainly looks like the forested areas outside the Masasi temples in on Yavin 4. And if that's the case, boy, I hope that's wrong. Because we mentioned before how J.J. really likes to throw back to the original trilogy, likes to throw back to that nostalgia... And that's great and all, but you know, Star Wars is this massive universe. We could go anywhere, and and uh, you know, going back to Yavin for the oh gosh, would this be the third time now? Would just be I don't know, man. I would not be happy about it. Going back to generic forest with with ruins, war room slash hangar that we've seen a billion times before. But uh, I'm sure that there's plenty of fans who are getting angry at me right now, going, "But I love that. I loved it too." But we could have new things to love. And I think that's, that's even better. Sam, you, you had thoughts on this? I think there's no point in going back to planets in Star Wars unless there is like a strong reason for it. 
Luke going back to Tatooine in episode six, a lot to do with like the hero's journey and like the homecoming and all and all that. And it, it tied into the story, obviously him going to Jabba's palace and Han was sent to Jabba's palace. So so that made a lot of sense. But Yavin, really? Yavin, that planet that was in episode four and then probably forgotten about and it looks cool, but there's really nothing much much more to it than that. If it's Yavin of all the planets to bring back in episode in episode nine, Yavin four would be far down the bottom of my list. But Todd, what, what what do you think about this? Yeah, I know we've had the rumors of episode nine having Yavin ever since they announced that the studio they were filming it in was the or the set for Rogue One's Yavin was. I really don't want it to show up because like it'd feel like such a JJ thing to do, like bringing back hey. Remember episode four? You said they've gone back to it in Rebels. They've gone back to it in the comic books. They've gone back to it in, but Rogue One. So like having it again, just because everybody likes a new hope, let's have a new hope stuff in it. Definitely suck. I feel like from the pictures we have, it just looks like a jungle forest area. It doesn't have to be anywhere we want and anywhere we we've gone before. Could just be a new planet, but no much Star Wars fans like trying to theorize and figure where things out is. Well, I mean, we have a sub based around it and a podcast. Yeah, are you talking about those jerks who just sit there speculating about Star Wars all day? People just talk about Star Wars all day. For like an hour and a half. So that was the leaked photos. And now Sam has an interesting theory about Ray's past. Sam? Yeah, so I can't take credit for this theory at all. Uh, This was a post that I found on the subreddit by a user named Jedi Defender. Full credit goes to them. Go and guild them right now because I really like this theory. He suggests that possibly his theory is that that Ray's past is important, but not her parentage, which I am in a fair bit of agreement with. I definitely don't think her parentage is important, but I think there might be something more to her past than we're that we're led on to believe right now. And he he thinks that it's possible that Ray actually was the the cause of her parents' death when they left her on Jakku and were flying away in the in their spaceship selling her for drinking money. Uh, maybe she unleashed the power of the dark side and, and tore the ship down from the sky. And that could be the reason why she's so hesitant and afraid of the Force in The Force Awakens. She, she's, she's terrified of this lightsaber. She, she doesn't want anything to do with it, you know, because in the back of her mind, she knows that the Force was the very reason for her parents' death. So I've always been a massive fan of that theory. There might be something more. Her parents might have gotten rid of her because they were afraid of her, you know, afraid of her power, which would, again, tie in with similar parallels to Ben, you know, although it wasn't quite as as mean-spirited as selling him off for drinking money. I think that that it's possible that, that Leia and Han sent him off to Luke because they didn't really know how to deal with him. And, you know, and he felt that they saw him as a monster. So this could be a nice parallel between them two. Jedi Defender also goes on to say that they think that it's possible that Ray and Ben are both suppressing the dark and light side, respectively, within themselves. So Ray is denying the dark side, and obviously Kylo Ren is denying the light side. And only when they accept that they both that these parts of the Force are natural to them, and that they can come together and be balanced and all that good stuff about balance of the Force. So what are your guys' thoughts on this on this theory? I'm not sure I should be the first one you throw to on this because I, I'm strongly opposed to going back to anything about Ray's past. Maybe a quick callback, but I, I feel like the time for that would have been in The Last Jedi. And we did get a little bit of it. We got an answer. Hey, your parents were nobodies. 
And I accept that as, as the truth. But I feel like Ray. it's time for Ray to solidify herself as a character. She's been spending all this time searching the galaxy for who she used to be or who her parents were. And The Last Jedi, I think the, the, the final message of Last Jedi was none of that matters. None of that matters at all. And we, it's time for Ray to define herself and, and just move forward. And I feel like going back now in the final minutes of the Skywalker saga, taking 10, 20, 30 minutes to go back and even discuss it, would just be slowing down the story. And, and if there's some big reveal that her parents used to be someone or, or if there's some big reveal that she killed her parents, I, I, just, I feel like that would be taking away from her character that she is now and, and, and would slow her character progression down. So I personally, I, whether or not this theory is true, I don't know. Whether or not she went full psychomantis and killed all her loved ones, I, I don't know. I don't particularly care. I feel like going back to review it just would slow down her character progression and take away from the ending that needs to be told. Lai, you probably have a, a much better take on this than I do. I'm somewhere between you, Vinny, and this theory. I actually... So I'm with you about I'm over like trying to find out what happened to Ray's parents, all this stuff. But I will say this is the most interesting theory I've heard ever since TFA was released. I really do like this theory. But as Vinny said, I don't know if cinematically this would fit into the filmmaking, the production and the overall story. But I do like how this does fill in some plot holes you know, and some stuff about the characters. So I thought it was a great theory. What I do think is true about this theory is that Ray does need to embrace, you know, the anger that we see during, I would, okay, not anger, the more darker sides of herself that we see during her fighting, um, even when she's like dealing with other people sometimes, you know, that, that impatience, that, that the, the darker side of her, I do think that is true, that she does need to acknowledge that it is there. Sam? I think embrace is, is the wrong word for it, but certainly acknowledge, uh, like you said, acknowledge. The, right. Okay. That it is I there. ended with the acknowledge. You're right. It, acknowledge is a better word. I'll give you that one. Embrace. We certainly don't want anyone embracing the dark side. That is <laughs> that is the wrong way to go. You do not want to embrace the dark side. Um, but you've certainly got to accept that it's there. We are all human. We are all captured by our sins and wrongdoings. You know, that's just what makes us us. And there's no real really escaping that. So it seems that Ray might even be a little bit afraid of the dark side. If that was the case, you know, if, she, if it did cause her to, to kill her parents. So on what you said, Vinny, about Ray, you know, you, you think that she should be moving forward as, as her own character. Um, I find it hard to argue with that, to be honest with you. I'm not in massive disagreement with you. However, this is definitely, if this was the story that was that was going to be told, I think that it would have been much, much better to reveal this in episode eight. It, would, it seems like an episode eight thing. I, it's just, I love the idea so much that if, if they could manage to work it into episode nine, I would really like it. I do also think that while Ray has accepted that she needs to move forward as her own character, I'm not quite sure she's forgiven what actually happened with her parents. I'm not sure if she's forgiven, you know, her parents. I'm not sure if she's possibly even forgiven herself if there is something she's running from. And this is the case. So maybe we could see something to do with that. But yeah, you're right. They've got to be very, very careful with it. And I think it could very well detract from the overall story if they choose to focus on it too much, if, if at all. Todd. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, Sam, and partly about Vinny. I feel like I really, really like this idea. I like the 
depth it adds to Ray with her dark side. I feel like if they're going to do something with their past, this is one of the most interesting takes I've seen on it, other than, oh, she's related to somebody, that's her parents, that's her legacy. If she, like, killed them and she's, like, has this dark thing she has to, like, know with and live with, especially since she's always been looking for her parents and feel like she left them, like, she's responsible for that. I feel like that could be powerful and interesting to see her go through. But they really, really had a chance to do that with a whole mirror scene in The Last Jedi. If they are going to do something, they should have done it there. I feel like this would this would feel like tacked on even more so if they do anything else with Ray. Like Ryan had his chance to do something there. And I like what he did. Whole Ray is more than what her past is. She's moving forward. That's a good take, but I still feel like this one would have been interesting too. Yeah, and I think the reason why some fans do feel so cheated out of it is because it was it was very brushed over in a in a sense. I don't personally think it was, but I can see definitely why some fans would believe that it was, you know, when Kylo just just says it out of the blue and it's like, oh, okay, so that's that's the the reveal. I am in agreement with you about that, yeah. So again, thank you, Jedi Defender, for writing such a thought-provoking theory. Uh, I absolutely love it. I kind of hope it does come true. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when episode nine comes out, but uh, well done for that. So now let's head on to a little bit of... Uh, Vinny, you had something prepared. Uh, you wanted to have a little discussion about Battlefront 2 DLC, didn't you? Yeah, well, DLC certainly isn't the right word, but uh, Battlefront 2, which unfortunately represents the entirety of mainstream Star Wars gaming right now. There's mobile titles, obviously, but really the entirety of Star Wars gaming PC console is just Battlefront 2. And I I enjoyed it. I've been playing it since the the pre-launch, the three-day early thing. I put about 300 hours into it. And the core game is fun, but there's obviously been a lot of drama there. There was the early loot crates that they took out on day one, but that pushed the schedule back, the production schedule back. And taking that out, uh, they then had to revamp the progression system. And that push the development schedule for the game back a good two to three months from what we've been able to tell. The game was originally sold as having, you know, we're going to have constant updates. They called it a a live system or a, a, a live support system. And, you know, we got the last Jedi content and that was all great. You got, we got the crate map and we got Finn and Phasma's new heroes. We got a new hero ship with Tally and her A-wing. And, um, and then it started to kind of trickle out and the content started to peter out. I just think that uh, the reason for all this has been EA uh, through and through and what they deem as profitable. And uh, at the end of the day, they are a business and I understand that and I respect that to some extent. But the way they've handled DICE and Battlefront has been appalling. They've basically, I almost see it as like, I don't know if it is, but it almost seems like a, a fuck you to the, to the gaming community. They're, you know, you made this massive stir about loot boxes and you didn't want that so we're taking all the developers developers off this game and uh putting them on battlefield 5 and you're not going to get any downloadable content for this game or or free content for this game or it's going to be very very slow to come out because there's so many so few developers on this game yeah i i i don't know if it's necessarily a direct fuck you response from ea i mean that would be a bit well i say it would be a bit absurd but man with ea you never know but it, it did certainly remove the revenue stream for a game. I mean, if, if they're going to keep pumping out content for a game, they need to have a financial reason to do so. And, and the, the community screamed and screamed and screamed. And so they got rid of their one revenue stream for the game. And so the game just wasn't making any money for them other than obviously initial sales. But as we know in the modern gaming industry, the real money is after the fact, the, the, the microtransactions, the crates, the boxes, the cards. 
But what's happened since is that the original community manager, the guy who talks for EA and DICE to the gamers, was originally Sledgehammer, and he, boy, he really had no idea how to talk to the gaming community. He uh, insulted a number of people. He was very dismissive. He acted like kind of the early 90s jock type. Oh, these, these freaking gamers, these nerds. And he was shouted out of the room for another gentleman named Ben Walk. And Ben Walk uh, seemed to be kind of your fellow Star Wars nerd. He was approaching you with, yes, I have a room full of figures and posters, and I've been a fan of Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars with my Luke Skywalker blanket, and, and, and he seemed to, to be a much better face for the game. And so he had some goodwill. His, his posts weren't getting spontaneously downvoted by 400 negative karma. Unfortunately, uh, there's been this drought of content, and we've been waiting on the Clone Trooper update, which was supposed to have a slew of Clone Trooper skins and customizations and would start to kick off the second life for the game, you know, skins, customization. Unfortunately, uh, when the game was about to come out, or actually just after it came out, there was some data mining. Someone dug into the PC version of the game and found that these clone skins were already in the game. They've been in the game since day one. So people were expecting, hey, we're going to get... 10 or 12 uh, clone skin customization, and they'll be updated and tweaked. And all we got were two, just two clone skins. Now, this update has not come out as of this recording. It will be coming out um, in a couple weeks. So hopefully this could be wrong. But according to Ben, um, we're only getting two skins. And the Battlefront 2 has actually had, despite the fervor and the hatred going on, it's actually had a pretty strong player base you know, not a growing one, but a strong one remaining. I mean, there's there's even clans based around it. Uh, and, and they are now starting to leave. The diehards, the holdouts, the ones who were still defending the game and saying, look, at the core of this game, there is still something fun. They are starting to leave. And at the core of that was Ben Walk's uh, announcement for these two skins. In the background had a droidica. It was very clearly a battle droid, a, a destroyer droid, a, uh, you know, one of the Rolly boys from the prequels. And it was obviously that. And everyone assumed this was a secret leak, a tease of like, hey, we're actually going to have Droidicus too, because Ben Walk had also teased Geonosis a good week before it was announced at uh, E3. So we just thought it was Ben being Ben and him trying to keep everyone happy. And now he said, nope, no such class, no such object. It was old material and has now started being dismissive of the remaining community, including going so far as to attack uh, Star Wars HQ, or I'm sorry, it was either Star Wars HQ or Battlefront Updates, two of the last major YouTube channels, last major social media presences to be defending the game. He openly attacked them. And so we are now going to start to see what could have been the revitalization, the rebirth of the game. We're now seeing the last people defending it starting to go. And we're barely, I mean, I don't even think we're at a year since the game's launch. If I recall, the game's launch was November, I want to say. Uh, either October or November, and it um, it just we're not even at a year, and the last holdouts, the people who were defending the game vocally, are now just walking out. And Ben Walk is starting to get the same reputation that the previous community manager had. And this has now left us with a question because this was EA's chance to save their image with the Star Wars IP, and now it's utterly ruined. The last few people defending it are walking out, and they've still got. Five years left on their exclusivity contract. That's right. If you're not aware, EA has exclusive rights. They will be the only company making Star Wars video games until 2023. And they've already lost the few people who were left to defend them. 
So where does this leave us? Sam, what do you think? I just hate the way EA has handled this. I I love the Battlefront games. I, I've been a I've been a big fan of the, both of them since the, the dice have made. And it's just so sad to see a good game. Battlefront 2 is a, is a good game, in my opinion. Um, it, it has a lot more content than the first game. Uh, maybe not quite as much as we would have liked to see, but it has it has a it has an okay amount, and it's got a good core experience. There's there's a lot to it. There's ways to like level up your character. There's some degree of customization. It's not a bad game at all. But the handling of it has just been I don't know how they've um, how they've managed it. It's it's a work of art how much they've they've managed to screw this up. And EA, I just I cannot wait for them to get red, for them to to lose the exclusivity. And if if it if Disney renew it, if Lucasfilm renew that, I <laughs> I will uh, I will be very very uh, disheartened to say the least, uh, to put it politely, because we've already lost you know we've already lost a, a, a single player game that we were going to get because you know Star Wars used to be all about the single player games and and that is a, a product of its time. You know, single player games have taken a bit of a hit with uh, in recent years so it's it's not like it's it's just ea but they certainly are the the epitome of the gaming industries right now yeah i just it's it's sad that we're losing these single player games we're getting one i think like they shut down one because it wasn't the type of game they they wanted to make or some some bs about that and um basically it just wasn't going to make them money or as much money as as they would with a multiplayer game yeah you're you're talking about um respawns uh it was the game was called ragtag and it was going to be a more classic action rpg and now they originally claimed that they had not canceled the game outright they had taken the developers brought them into their own studio kind of consumed the studio and claimed they would be recontinuing on the project and just tweaking the game to be a slightly more modernized model. Now, what that if that means jamming it full of microtransactions or if that makes means making it a battle royale, I don't know what that means. But uh, yeah, the game was not originally confirmed to be canceled, but they were just reworking it. There is also another game uh, possibly coming out called Jedi Fallen Order. And that was announced in the most unceremonious way by an old dude in the audience at E3 and an awkward woman holding a microphone. And I believe they rushed the announcement of that due to the severe backlash of Battlefront 2. And that I don't think that game is anywhere close to being ready. It's a sad day. It's a sad time to be, you know, it's a, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, but a Star Wars games fan, it's it's not. We're in the dark ages a bit. It feels like we're in the uh, the might of the Empire uh, era. I think. Well, we've we've traded because uh, in the in the '90s and, and early 2000s, most of your Star Wars content was coming in the form of video games. Kotor, Rogue Squadron, you know, most of the content was coming. You know, Jedi Outcast. You know, that was the actual story being moved by video games, and you weren't getting any movies. And now we're getting lots of movies and no games. <laughs> so we've we've kind of swapped from a couple decades ago. I guess we can't have the best of both worlds. Well, we could, but it, it's not happening at the moment. So there's, there's always hope that Disney could find a way to get out of this contract. And there's always hope that Disney could throw their money behind saving their identity with the franchise. But as of right now, I guess maybe we wait for battle, the inevitable Battlefront 3 with Episode 9. But the, the brand is so tainted, I don't even know where they go from here. It's such a sad, because Battlefront was... You know, it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from the the old Battlefront games, but they were so like highly like remembered. They were so highly favored by the the community. And then when it got announced that that it was coming back, it was being rebooted. So many people were so excited for it. You know, like I've said, the games aren't bad themselves, but the 
the legacy that, that they've created has uh, has been nothing short of, of terrible, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's just funny to me that I wanted to to bring this back around that this was their their chance to turn it around. You know, that the, the the people who were still defending the game were going, okay, you've got one last shot. Flood us with skins. Give us reasons to come back and play. And because, you know, they've said they've got prequel heroes on the horizon. Dooku, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Grievous, Geonosis, a new conquest mode, all this stuff they announced at E3. And the servers are just going to be ghost towns by it before we get any of that. So I just don't see how they save their reputation and the franchise. I, I, I don't see where they go from here. And it's, it's really unfortunate. It, it really is. And uh, I hope... It's going to be a long five years if, if uh, Lucasfilm don't find a way to, to get out of this contract with EA. But hey, you know, 10 years of EA and we get, you know, three Battlefront games and a few mobile games. Okay, so now it's time for answering questions from the community. We only have one question this week, but, you know, it's better than no questions at all. So let me just read that out. So Diecast Desperado from YouTube asks... Could we possibly get a battle between Vader and Maul in a future film? It obviously couldn't end in either of them dying, but it could still be a great duel. So guys, what do you think about the possibility of Vader and Maul facing off and seeing who emerges victorious from this fight? This is an interesting question because I feel like it has been hinted before that Vader and Maul have met each other. Because when Vader showed up on Malachor, was it? Um, Maul, def- Maul definitely knew, like, I can't take him on alone. He seemed afraid of Vader. And I don't think that would happen from just reputation alone for Maul. And I don't know if we're going to see it in a film, but if we do get more, since they did set up Maul in the films, we we could see more film Maul and possibly having a Vader in there too. But I feel like we're, we're going to see this fight no matter what medium, no matter how we're going to do it, it's definitely going to happen. I almost liked the idea that Maul simply got so scared because he felt Vader's presence. Like, we see Maul and we see him as this this being of hatred and rage and all things dark side. And if he feels Vader and goes, this guy, <laughs> this guy is just a festering pit of self-hatred and, and loathing and everything that encompasses the dark side, there is no way I can take him on. He's just a, a force of nature. I kind of like that a little bit better than them facing off in the past. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Live, what do you think about it? I think it would be awesome. I mean, it's both of Palpatine's apprentices, very powerful Force users. As you know, again, Vader fangirl here. So I mean, I I I would relish any time Vader can reappear in new media, especially going forward. Like Todd said, we set up. I mean, it is set up that mall, uh, film mall can be you know, can re-emerge in, in some future media. So I think that'd be very cool, actually. Because, you know, besides, I think besides Kylo and Rey, we haven't really seen, you know, a super well-matched Force user fight in the new canon, so. No, yeah, yeah, you're right on that one. Vinny, you're a big Legends guy, so you must know about the fight between Vader and Maul in, in a comic I actually, that's my one weakness is the comics. I, I read all, yeah, I read all the books, um, but, but comics, I, I never delved quite as deep into as I wanted to. As far as legends go, one thing that this reminds me of, and I don't know why, but in uh, Force Unleashed, there was a droid that, uh, that was stick, stuck with the main character, uh, Vader's apprentice, who would... Proxy. Yeah, proxy, exactly. And he would randomly turn into 
other historically known Jedi like Obi-Wan Kenobi to, and randomly attack the player character as just kind of a, a joke, as a throwback, almost like Cato from The Green Hornet. And I feel like something like that, a, a droid that could summon historical data and, and, and form these, these characters would be a good setup for that sort of fight without having to finagle those two characters being in the same place at the same time. If they just want that pure straight hit to the veins of fan service, they could have like a droid like proxy summon up that image and we'd still get to at least see what that fight or at least visualize that fight. The only other thing that I could think of of that happening is there is that gap between Maul having his like second prime of when he had just taken Mandalore and then subsequently got booted off it by Ahsoka and how he became this kind of decrepit, old, singular-focused uh, guy in Rebels. There is that gap. Like something, something kicked him back down the rungs other than Palpatine. Something must have happened to him, and, and that would be the period for it to happen. So could it have happened? Yes. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it would. If it did, I, my thoughts on the fight aren't very long. I think that Vader would just tear him in half. I think Vader would just throw him against a wall and just rip him into. I, I don't think the fight would last very long. Todd, what, what were you thinking? Uh, yeah, like you said, there's the uh, Maul had his old Crimson Dawn thing. And then he ended up just being an old guy hanging around on Malachor. I feel like a fight with Vader could be one possible thing. You know, the Emperor notices him, sends Vader in, messes with his stuff. He ends up you know, where he is. I even feel like it's implied that it could have happened. I don't know if they're going to leave it vague or what they're going to do with it, but it'd be interesting to see for sure. Well, one thing that is interesting is we know that Maul had run-ins with Inquisitors before his appearance in Solo, because we see him with the lightsaber he has in Rebels, which I believe actually was confirmed to be fashioned from Inquisitor's lightsabers, so he was already running, he, he, maybe he even already had run-ins with Darth Vader before that. You know, if, if he's having, maybe if the Inquisitors couldn't take him, maybe Vader, maybe that maybe that is the story that, you know, the Inquisitors are trying to take Maul, because they know he's, you know, head of Crimson Dawn or whatever, and then Maul makes swift work of them, and then Vader's like, right, I guess this is uh, this is a job for me, and <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think Maul would, would, would definitely get his uh, his behind kicked. I feel like the fight, like you said, would be very swift if it happened at all. I think if we're going to see it at all, we're much more likely to see some sort of fan service excuse like a droid with a hologram or something, or maybe a, oh, maybe even a force vision. It definitely would be very fan servicey to see the fight. But hey, you know, I'm, I'm fine with a bit of fan service sprinkled in with Star Wars every now and again. I mean... It, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just, you know... I think it, it makes Star Wars, you know, the odd bit. As long as it's not all-encompassing, I think that... You know, a little bit of fan service, is, it's nice. Uh, Maul and Vader would certainly be a very flashy fight to see. I, I, I almost wonder if, if that's what they would have been heading towards with the solo sequels that probably now won't get made. I'm still, fingers crossed, that they will, but yeah. So, Vinny, do you want to close out and give the audience our coordinates? Absolutely. If you liked what you heard, hop a lift down to level 1313, the CD underbelly of the internet known as Reddit, where you can find us at the subreddit r Star Wars Speculation. We're also available on SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, and iTunes as Kessel Fun Podcast. And be sure to check us out on YouTube as Kessel Fun Podcast, where you can subscribe to us and click that little bell to be the first to know when new episodes are up. And if you enjoyed this episode, you will give it a like. If you have questions for us or topics you'd like to hear us cover, such as fan surfacey fights that would otherwise never, ever happen, hit us up on Twitter at Kessel Fun. See you around, kid.